Chapter 15 of Ships That Pass in the Night. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Ships That Pass in the Night by Beatrice Harridan. Chapter 15 Which Contains Nothing. You may have talent for other things, Robert Allison said one day to Bernadine but you certainly have no talent for photography. You have not made the slightest progress. I don't at all agree with you, Bernadine answered rather peevishly. I think I am getting on very well. You are no judge, he said. To begin with, you cannot focus properly. You have a crooked eye. I have told you that several times. You certainly have, she put in. You don't let me forget that. "'Your photograph of that horrid little danseuse, whom you like so much,' he said, "'is simply abominable. She looks like a fury. "'Well, she may be one for all I know, but in real life she has not the appearance of one.' "'I think that is the best photograph I have done,' Bernadine said, highly indignant. "'She could tolerate his uppishness about subjects of which she knew far more than he did, "'but his masterfulness about a subject of which she really knew nothing was more than she could bear with patience.' he had not the tact to see that she was irritated i don't know about it being the best he said unless it is the best specimen of your inexperience looked at from that point of view it does stand first she flushed crimson with temper nothing is easier than to make fun of others she said fiercely it is the resource of the ignorant then after the fashion of angry women having said her say she stalked away if there had been a door to bang she would certainly have banged it however she did what she could under the circumstances she pushed a curtain roughly aside and passed into the concert room where every night of the season's six months a scratchy string orchestra entertained the kerhouse guests she left the disagreeable man standing in the passage dear me he said thoughtfully and he stroked his chin then he trudged slowly up to his room dear me he said once more arrived in his bedroom he began to read but after a few minutes he shut his book took the lamp to the looking-glass and brushed his hair then he put on a black coat and a white silk tie there was a speck of dust on the coat he carefully removed that and then extinguished the lamp on his way downstairs he met marie who gazed at him in astonishment it was quite unusual for him to be seen again when he had once come up from table d'hote she noticed the black coat and the white silk tie too and reported on these eccentricities to her colleague anna the disagreeable man meanwhile had reached the concert hall he glanced around and saw where bernardine was sitting and then chose a place in the opposite direction quite by himself he looked somewhat like a dog who has been well beaten now and again he looked up to see whether she still kept her seat the bad music was a great irritation to him but he stayed on heroically there was no reason why he should stay Gradually, too, the audience began to thin. Still he lingered, always looking like a dog in punishment. At last Bernadine rose, and the disagreeable man rose, too. He followed her humbly to the door. She turned and saw him. "'I am sorry I put you in a bad temper,' he said. "'It was stupid of me.' "'I am sorry I got into a bad temper,' she answered, laughing. "'It was stupid of me.' "'I think I have said enough to apologize,' he said it is a process i dislike very much and with that he wished her good-night and went to his room but that was not the end of the matter for the next day when he was taking his breakfast with her he of his own accord returned to the subject 
"'It was partly your own fault that I vexed you last night,' he said. "'You have never before been touchy, and so I have become accustomed to saying what I choose, and it is not in my nature to be flattering.' that is a very truthful statement of yours she said as she poured out her coffee but i own i was touchy and so i shall be again if you make such cutting remarks about my photographs you have a crooked eye he said grimly look there for instance you have poured your coffee outside the cup of course you can do as you like but the usual custom is to pour it inside the cup they both laughed and the good understanding between them was cemented again you are certainly getting better he said suddenly i should not be surprised if you were able to write a book after all not that a new book is wanted there are too many books as it is and not enough people to dust them still it is not probable that you would be considerate enough to remember that you will write your book bernadine shook her head i don't seem to care now she said i think i could now be content with a quieter and more useful part you will write your book he continued now listen to me whatever else you may do don't make your characters hold long discussions with each other in real life people do not talk four pages at a time without stopping also if you bring together two clever men don't make them talk cleverly clever people do not it is only the stupid who think they must talk cleverly all the time and don't detain your reader too long if you must have a sunset let it be a short one i could give you many more hints which would be useful to you but why not use your own hints for yourself she suggested that would be selfish of me he said solemnly i wish you to profit by them you are learning to be unselfish at a very rapid rate bernadine said at that moment mrs reffold came into the breakfast-room and seeing bernadine gave her a stiff bow i thought you and mrs reffold were such friends robert allerton said bernadine then told him of her last interview with mrs reffold well if you feel uncomfortable it is as it should be he said i don't see what business you had to point out to mrs reffold her duty i dare say she knows it quite well though she may not choose to do it i am sure i should resent it if any one pointed out my duty to me every one knows his own duty and it is his own affair whether or not he does it i wonder if you are right bernadine said i never meant to presume but her indifference has exasperated me why should you be exasperated about other people's affairs he said and why interfere at all being interested is not the same as being interfering she replied quickly it is difficult to be the one without being the other he said it requires a genius there is a genius for being sympathetic as well as a genius for being good and geniuses are few but i knew one bernadine said there was a friend to whom in the first days of my trouble i turned for sympathy when others only irritated she could soothe she had only to come into my room and all was well with me there were tears in bernadine's eyes as she spoke well said the disagreeable man kindly and where is your genius now she went away she and hers bernadine said and that was the end of that chapter poor little child he said half to himself don't i too know something about the ending of such a chapter but bernadine did not hear him she was thinking of her friend she was thinking as we all think that those to whom in our own suffering we turn for sympathy become hallowed beings saints they may not be but for want of a better name saints they are to us gracious and lovely presences that great time eternity the great space death could not rob them of their saintship for they were canonized by our bitterest tears 
she was roused from her reverie by the disagreeable man who got up and pushed his chair noisily under the table will you come and help me to develop some photographs he asked cheerily you do not need to have a straight eye for that then as they went along together he said when we come to think about it seriously it is rather absurd for us to expect to have uninterrupted stretches of happiness happiness falls to our share in separate detached bits and those of us who are wise content ourselves with these broken fragments but who is wise bernadine asked why we all expect to be happy no one told us that we were to be happy still though no one told us it is the true instinct of human nature it would be interesting to know at what particular period of evolution into our present glorious types we felt that instinct for the first time he said the sunshine must have had something to do with it you see how a dog throws itself down in the sunshine the most wretched cur heaves a sigh of content then the sulkiest cat begins to purr they were standing outside the room set apart for the photograph maniacs of the cur house i cannot go into that horrid little hole bernadine said and besides i have promised to play chess with the swedish professor and after that i am going to photograph marie i promised whirly i would the disagreeable man smiled grimly i hope he will be able to recognize her he said then feeling that he was on dangerous ground he added quickly if you want any more plates i can oblige you on her way to her room she stopped to talk to pretty fräulein muller who was in high spirits having had an excellent report from the doctor fräulein muller always insisted on talking english with bernadine and as her knowledge of it was limited a certain amount of imagination was necessary to enable her to be understood ah miss holm she said i have deceived an exquisite report from the doctor you are looking ever so well bernadine said and the love-making with the spanish gentleman goes on well too ach was the merry answer that is your inventory i am quite indolent to him at that moment the spanish gentleman came out of the curhouse flower shop with a beautiful bouquet of flowers mademoiselle he said handing them to fräulein muller and at the same time putting his hand to his heart he had not noticed bernadine at first and when he saw her he became somewhat confused she smiled at them both and escaped into the flower shop which was situated in one of the covered passages connecting the mother building with the dependencies herr schmidt the gardener was making a wreath his favorite companion a saffron cat was playing with the wire schmidt was rather an ill-tempered man but he liked bernadine i have put these violets aside for you fräulein he said in his sulky way i meant to have them sent to your room but have been interrupted in my work you spoil me with your gifts she said you spoil my cat with the milk he replied looking up from his work that is a beautiful wreath you are making herr schmidt she said who is died any one in the curhouse no fräulein but i ought to keep my door locked when i make these wreaths people get frightened and think they too are going to die shall you be frightened i wonder no i believe not she answered as she took possession of her violets and stroked the saffron cat but i am glad no one has died here it is for a young beautiful lady he said she was in the curhouse two years ago i liked her so i am taking extra pains she did not care for the flowers to be wired so i am trying my best without the wire but it is difficult she left him to his work and went away thinking all the time she had now been in petershoff had not sufficed to make her indifferent to the sadness of her surroundings in vain the disagreeable man's preachings in vain her own reasonings with herself these people here who suffered and faded and passed away who were they to her 
why should the faintest shadow steal across her soul on account of them there was no reason and still she felt for them all she who in the old days would have thought it waste of time to spare a moment's reflection on anything so unimportant as the sufferings of an individual human being and the bridge between her former and her present self was her own illness what dull-minded sheep we must all be how lacking in the very elements of imagination since we are only able to learn by personal experience of grief and suffering something about the suffering and grief of others yea how the dogs must wonder at us those dogs who know when we are in pain or trouble and nestle nearer to us so bernadine reached her own door she heard her name called and turning round saw mrs Riffold. there was a scared look on the beautiful face miss holmes she said i have been sent for i daren't go to him alone i want you he is worse i am bernadine took her hand and the two women hurried away in silence End of chapter 15